Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Moving Up the Ladder, a show that tries to give you some knowledge and insight into career advancement, no matter what part of the employment spectrum you might fall on. With LocalJobNetwork.com Radio, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Today's show zeroes in on the important undertaking of promoting the right employees, including some advice and key considerations from our guest, Melanie Holmes, Vice President of World of Work Solutions for Manpower Group. Thanks for coming in today. Great to have you. Uh, first thing, basically, if you could, for the listeners, give them an idea where you're coming from, just your experiences and skills in terms of personnel, employee management, kind of the, the whole ball of wax, so to speak. Well, first of all, Tim, Manpower Group, to put it very succinctly and in, in just a few words, puts people to work. We've been in business since 1948. We have 4,000 offices in 80 countries and territories, and we employ over 3 million people every year throughout the world. So we're working with lots of people and lots of clients in lots of locations. (laughs) So we pretty much know what's going on in the world of work. And I've been with Manpower, I I can't believe I can tell you this, with (laughs) over 30 years. Wow. That's so, impressive, especially nowadays with you know the job market how it is. Right. I am one of the luckiest people in the world, but <laughs> I've been with Manpower Group for over 30 years, so I have seen a lot of people, millions and millions and millions of people get jobs um, through what we do at Manpower Group. So my perspective is watching what our clients do, what our clients say, looking at our associates, uh, the people that we put on assignment, looking at the candidates that come to Manpower Group. Again, it's millions of people. So our perspective is pretty broad and I think very interesting and very comprehensive about what's going on in the world of work. Sure. Great. And I guess kind of moving forward then from that, um, when you're looking at, I guess it could be any employee um, or, or potential employee, but within a company, promoting within that company, how important is that to, once you get the talent there, to keep them and to promote or move them in positions that further improve the company? This is my, my personal opinion, but I think that many people would agree with me that promoting from within makes the most sense. Mm -hmm. It makes the most sense for the company because you're saving money. You're not recruiting a new person. And it certainly makes the most sense for the person who's being promoted. But I'll also add that it gives a really good message to the rest of the employees that there are opportunities within this organization. That if I do my job, if I am creative, if I am innovative, if I do what I'm supposed to do, I have opportunities here. And lately, we've been hearing an awful lot about how important employee engagement is. And when you talk to employees about engagement and what keeps them engaged, Mm -hmm. one of the main things is they need to see opportunity within that organization. So promoting within is the greatest way to promote employee engagement in your organization. Sure. And then when you're looking at whether it be a candidate or an employee within your own company, what in your opinion, are kind of those key components that an employer should look for when trying to figure out who's best for this position, who's best to move up or or give some sort of uh, promotion to? What kind of those key components do you look for? Well, there are a lot of moving parts to that answer. Obviously, that's not just just one answer to that question. Um, But there are some basic things that I think every employee needs to do. And if they're looking to be promoted, it's more important than ever before. First of all, they have to have the skills for the job. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that seems like the ante to get them uh, into the company and into the, the promotion track. But they certainly need to have those technical skills or job-related skills that are required for the promotion. Mm-hmm. But I would add that maybe even more important in some cases are the less easily defined things, the softer skills. 
the ability to solve problems, the critical thinking skills, the ability to work in a team, to have leadership. How do you define leadership? You know, is it is it charisma? Is it the ability to talk loud? I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating <laughs> to make a point. Sure. I mean, leadership is sort of an undefined thing, but if you're going to be promoting people, you want them to have those leadership skills. Mm-hmm. You also want somebody who's loyal to the company, who's positive, who has a good work ethic, who demonstrates the behaviors that you want um, your culture to embody. Again, there are lots of moving parts here, but let's boil it down. They need to have the technical skills to get the job done, but they also need to have the soft skills and the leadership demeanor that's important for a promotion. And I guess when I was looking forward to kind of, I guess, similar along those lines, if you're looking at two candidates, whether it be coming into a place or within a company, they're neck and neck, their skills are very similar, um, accomplishments are kind of the same. What are some of those maybe tiebreakers, so to speak, that an employer might look at? And I just put down just off the top of my head things like attitude or communication type things. What would you point to as those tiebreakers or what really would be important if two people are just, it's a tough call kind of thing? Well, a lot of it does depend on the job. And you mentioned communication, Tim. I, being a communicator, happen to think that communication skills are one of the most important things that an employee can bring to the job, Mm -hmm. both written and verbal communication skills. So I would certainly put that on the list. But again, it's kind of those undefinable soft skill kind of things that I think are going to be the tiebreaker. I'd also say that somebody's desire for the promotion and their their willingness to kind of go the extra mile, hard to measure, mm-hmm. those things are important. And I want to back up a little bit. A promotion isn't something that just happens out of the blue, mm-hmm. that's a surprise to the employer and a surprise to the employee. If a company is doing its job right, they have a development plan for each of their employees. They should know who's interested in promotions. They should know what that person needs to accomplish in order to qualify for that promotion. So that development plan is a really important part of any sort of promotion track. And then if I'm an employee and I see a job I'm interested in, it's my job. It's incumbent upon me to speak up, to say what I want, to ask for the development opportunities in order for me to get ahead at that company. So this isn't a surprise. It's something that that companies, both from the company perspective and the employee perspective, should have been working on for quite some time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. And along those lines a little bit, let's say an employer does go through all that that process and they they feel they have the right person tabbed. And for one reason or another, it doesn't work out. Um, It's, you know, it's the wrong, quote unquote, wrong person. How is that detrimental? How does that actually hurt a company or, or does it? I mean, I, I guess it might depend on the position, but what kind of negative impact could that have if for one reason or another, it just wasn't the right fit? It's a very good question. And I again, I don't think there's one answer to that question. If, if we don't take risks and kind of put ourselves out there, we're never going to make a mistake. So <laughs> mistakes are going to be made. There's no question about it that as an employee who gets the promotion, I may go, ooh, what have I done? Mm-hmm. I've really, I loved what I was doing before and I'm not sure this is a right fit. And from a company perspective, the same thing could happen. So I would argue that it, it it's not going to cause too much damage as long as people are talking to each other. Right. If the company puts its head in the sand or the employee puts his or her head in the sand and ignores the fact that it's not working and it goes on for 
years with the person in the wrong position. <laughs> that causes damage. But I think if both parties recognize it and do something about it quickly, I, I don't think it's going to cause damage at all. Now, the hard part is what happens to that employee? Sure. Can they go back to their old job? And that, I, that was a question I would have. Oh, for the, exactly. Okay. I mean, well, how does that work? If, if they both want to make it work, is there a way to get them back or, you know, kind of in a, you know, a etiquette type fashion? Well, I, I think an understanding employer would make that opportunity available mm. for them to go back to their old job. Um, and I think the way the communication plan around that change and the way that's communicated to the rest of the organization is very important. I personally think it gives a good message to the organization. Mm -hmm. We tried this. We gave this person an, an opportunity. He or she realized it wasn't the right fit, and we're giving them the opportunity to go back to where they were happy. Sure. And you touched on this a little bit as far as the um, positive impact that there might be from a promotion um, standpoint. And you talk a little about, especially within the company, you know, there's, there's that feeling of I can go somewhere. Um, so I guess I would ask then from an outsider's point of view, does word get around to job seekers, to people who maybe are looking for what they would see as a better company? Does that get out there? And if so, how does this kind of word spread amongst the businesses and the industries? Well, the answer is yes, the word gets out there. <laughs> to answer your question quickly, there are many ways that that happens. A city like Milwaukee is relatively small. Mm -hmm. um, we, we know each other. We talk <laughs> to each other. We complain. And we talk about the good things that happen to us. So I think the answer is yes, that it does get out there. You hear a lot lately about employment brand and how important it is for companies to brand themselves mm -hmm. from an employment perspective, not brand their product or service, but brand what it's like to work at that organization. And I suggest that a company that is known for promoting within is a company that workers are going to want to go to. They're sure. going to want to work there because they're going to see the opportunities there. You also asked me uh, how it gets out there. In addition to word of mouth, there is a website out there called glassdoor.com okay. that allows people to go in and talk about their employer. They can rate their company. Um, uh, it's, it can be dangerous because c people can write whatever they want, right. and it's, it's, kind of uns it's kind of like Wikipedia. It's not edited. Mm -hmm. But there is information out there about companies in Glassdoor.com where people can find out about the employment culture and the employment brand within that organization. Sure. Well, that's a great tool. And like you said, always caution on something like that, but I'm sure there's good information out there. With that said, and with the idea of promotions, and you touched on a little bit earlier, why are there cases, though, and can you explain a little bit or maybe give an example of when it seems like the skills and accomplishments that somebody had in the past are going to fit, and they were terrific at the position they're currently in. They move into another spot, and it's not working out. What, what sort of you know, barriers are there? Or why does that happen? And again, I know it's kind of general, but maybe if you had a specific example that you could point to. Well, it's, it's actually easy for me to think of an example, Tim. One of the things that happens quite often, and I'm just going to use sales as an example, the best salesperson on the sales force gets promoted to be a sales manager. They're a salesperson. Mm. They're not a manager. Right. <laughs> so they don't have the skills to manage. And so they really make a mistake by, by taking that quote-unquote promotion right. into a management position. So I, th I think that's an easy example. Many companies almost require managing people as part of a promotion track. 
that that in order to be promoted, you have to have people reporting to you. Okay. I would suggest to the companies that might be listening that you should have two promotion tracks within your organization. One track that includes managing people, but another track that just includes additional job responsibilities, more client or customer contact, more dealings with the executives within your organization, or, or, or just a non-management promotion track. Because not everybody has management skills, and mm. not all of us want to manage people. So I think that the best example of promoting somebody who doesn't have the right skills is promoting somebody into management. And with that, I mean, you kind of with that two promotion tracks, is that also a way to try to just in general keep talented employees? Because it would seem like if another company has you know, something that they're offering that you don't, you hate to lose that person, but you don't want to put them in a spot of management. So is that all kind of this keep what you got kind of idea? I would suggest that, yes, that is a really good way to help retain those good employees, the people that are doing a really, really good job in what they're doing currently. Um, it, You know, the grass is greener mm-hmm. from both sides, actually. Sure. Employees think the grass is greener at another company, but employers think the grass is greener with another person or by going outside for promotions. So I think both parties need to do everything they can to keep either stay working at an organization or keep the employees working at an organization to maintain that continuity and keep your really, really good people. And Mm -hmm. I think two promotion tracks is one way to do that. And this all kind of leads into what you guys are kind of doing over there with Manpower Group. And, um, you know, I don't, I termed it as kind of a philosophy based on what I read with it. Um, But basically, it's a strategy that you've termed teachable fit. Mm -hmm. Uh, Would you just be able to educate the listeners at least to start just kind of the nuts and bolts that this whole kind of idea would entail? Yeah, we we talk a lot about teachable fit at Manpower Group, and we try very hard to practice it internally, and we hope that other companies are, are getting on board. You hear a lot right now about a talent mismatch or a talent shortage. And one of the reasons I believe that companies are struggling to find the talent they need is that they're being too picky. Mm -hmm. They want to hire somebody who can be productive immediately and has 100% of the skills that are necessary. I think that's unrealistic. So as when we talk about the teachable fit, we suggest to companies that they do two things. One is that they look internally to see if there are people who would qualify for these jobs and invest in training those people. Teach them to fit into the job that they're looking for. That's where the teachable fit comes in. So use training and on-the-job training and and formal training to give your internal candidates or internal folks in your organization the skills they need for the open positions. And then it also works from an external perspective Mm -hmm. to hire somebody from the outside with most of the skills necessary and the, the, the definite required skills that are necessary, but invest in training them to, to fill the rest. A little bit with that, if you do hire someone or move them into a different position internally, is that also making it a little easier to bring in someone and kind of keep the process going because then you open up possibly what's considered maybe a lower level position that you can bring someone in who, again, maybe has some of those skills. I mean, is the idea just to keep kind of the cycle going and make sure that you're always almost you're creating more employees as opposed to, as you said, being too picky. Um, that, that's a really good point. And, and actually, if nobody ever quit, there was never any movement mm-hmm. in an organization, things would get pretty stale and pretty old. Sure. People do leave jobs for one reason or another. They may move, they may retire, they may not like it and move on. So there are openings. And if you promote people into those openings, just as you said, you're making room for new people to come into the organization mm-hmm. at an entry level. 
new blood is really good. Wait, I, I want to make sure I'm making myself clear. <laughs> I firmly believe in promoting from within. There's no question about that. Right. But you also need new blood and new thinking in an organization to continue to innovate and look at things in a different way. Mm-hmm. So yes, promoting from within does make openings that then you can bring people in from the outside. Right. Good. That's a good point. Kind of been breaking it down a little bit also. I, you know, the framework was kind of divided into four categories from what I saw. There was knowledge, skills, values, and mindset. And the last one, personality and intelligence. You can touch on all four if you like. I was kind of intrigued by the values and mindset and the personality intelligence part just because obviously what you know and what you can do is is out there and that's what people tend to see that's more on the surface. The idea of values, mindset, personality, intelligence, how do you approach that as far as finding that right fit or determining if this person is going to be able to you know, have the, the character or the drive mm-hmm. to be able to do what you're asking them to do? And the, these are the four categories that are in, that are in our teachable fr- fit framework. And values and mindset are not things you can teach somebody. Mm-hmm. So I have to come to the, to the job interview or come to the position or come to the promotion door with that values and mindset. I can't teach that. So that's something that's that I have to bring to the table. Okay. And the way that an employer would figure that out is through, if it's an existing employee, it's few, through observation and interviewing and questioning. If it's a candidate from the outside, it's through behavioral interviews and references. They would find out that stuff. But those are things that are not teachable. Mm-hmm. Um, another example I use when I talk about the teachable fit is if I'm looking for somebody Uh, This is an extreme example, but if I'm looking for somebody to fix wind turbines, I can't hire somebody who's afraid of heights. And I can't teach somebody not to be afraid of heights. I can teach them how to fix the wind turbine. (laughs) So training can, can, you know, that teachable fit works there. Mm -hmm. But the absolute necessity for that particular job is I can't, that person can't be afraid of heights. Right, right. Yeah, that probably won't work out too well. (laughs) Um, And with all of this, with the teachable fit, people you talk to, people that you um, maybe have brought this up with, what sort of feedback have you gotten regarding Teachable Fit or the ideas that you guys have kind of put out there and you just overall your philosophy, what people are saying, what people think about this? Well, everybody is agreeing that there is a talent shortage in many cases. And when we talk about how to solve it, Teachable Fit is always one of the things that we talk about. People agree with it. Um, it's pretty hard to argue with the concept, yeah. but in reality, training budgets have been cut. Uh, companies are tightening their belts so tightly that they really do want people that can be productive tomorrow right. without investing in the on-the-job training that is necessary. So not every company is jumping on board right away, but there are practical reasons why they can't. But I predict that as the talent shortage increases because of retiring baby boomers and just in general things that are going on in the world, companies are going to have to reinvest in training and use that teachable fit concept to find the talent and to promote the talent they need in order to succeed. So really, it kind of seems like it's an internal struggle with maybe some companies between short term versus long term, because the way it's kind of laid out is if you do the stuff from the beginning and you continue it, it's going to be long-term success. You might be able to bring in somebody short-term, great, they do the job, but you're not sure where that's going to lead. Is that something you would try to stress that if any business you want sustainability? You're, I mean, yeah, you want to profit now. You want to make sure everything's going right right now. But 
if in five years it all falls on top of you, what, what was the point? I mean, is that something you stress? It's a, it's a very good point, Tim, that long term, we should we need to be investing in training and getting our people up to speed because this is never going to end. Another issue that every company faces is technology changes so fast that the way work gets done changes so fast that if we're not investing in training for the long term, all of our employees are going to become obsolete. We have to continue to train and get people up to speed. So yes, it is a long-term, short-term thing. I will say, though, that, that when we were in the depths of the Great Recession a few years ago, it was very difficult for people to look past the next quarter earnings. Right. It's very difficult to look past that. I'm hoping now that as things are easing up a little bit, that companies are beginning to invest for the long term and that training is on that list of investments. Sure. That's a good point. With uh, Every company might be in a different situation yeah. where, especially like you said, so many were put into a tough spot. Um, hopefully, you know, everything's kind of getting turned around and you guys can be a part of that with helping companies get back on their feet. Yeah, I, I joke that Pollyanna is my middle name. So let's hope <laughs> that things are, are, are looking up. Good, good to hear. Um, kind of going back to that promotion idea, and it still fits with, the, with your Teachable Fit ideas, but when you are looking at somebody for a different position or to, to maybe have them help in a different area, Obviously, everybody has strengths and weaknesses. So is there a more of a focus on one versus the other, or is it easy for an employer to get caught up maybe in a weakness, like you just can't get past versus they do this, this, and this so well? I mean, it, it seems like there's got to be some kind of balance, but any advice uh, on, on what they would focus on more than the other or how they would handle that? Well, remember, I just told you that Pollyanna was my middle name. <laughs> um, so I would certainly hope that companies focus on the strengths and build on those strengths, but we need to be meeting with our employees on a regular basis. We need to be having regular one-on-one -on -one meetings, and that's where you would focus on the weaknesses. And, 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 and actually, weaknesses sounds kind of harsh, but, but focus on the things that need improvement. Mm -hmm. So in those one-on-ones, set goals, work with the employee. Say you need to, for example, improve your communication skills. I suggest you take a class or that you go to Toastmasters or that you take a writing class. And next time we get together, I want to see how you've improved. I mean, keep working with that employee to improve those weaknesses. Right. So I personally would hire for strengths and then coach moving forward those weaknesses. And it's funny you keep bringing, you mentioned, and you talked about it earlier about communication. Does so much of this really boil down to that communication between employee and employer, communication between different parts of, of management making these decisions? And when it boils down to it, the more information out there between each other, I mean, that that's where it kind of starts in my mind. I mean, do you agree with that? I have said before that communication is the secret of life. And none of us ever thinks we get, get enough. I mean, think about your personal relationships. You never communicate enough. <laughs> think about your parental relationships. You never communicate enough. And at, at work, people don't ever think they communicate enough. So if I were running a company, I would certainly put a lot of resources behind my communications and my communication plans. And I would coach my managers to use communication as a tool to help their employees and help help the whole company get ahead. And then if I'm an individual, I guess I'm all of those, <laughs> as an individual, I would make sure that I'm communicating up, communicating to my manager right. to make sure that my manager knows what I want and what I'm interested in and what I think I'm good at, what weaknesses I think I have. And then I would ask for help to improve those weaknesses. So yes, communication is the secret. Okay. Within a company, 
maybe and you kind of talked about this having different tracks for people and i think that's i think that's a big key and it would eliminate you know some of maybe the challenges that a, a company would face and would help them out what sort of feedback is it i guess what is, what would it mean to a company if they heard from a potential em- employee or somebody who would be moving into position if they really did say you know this doesn't fit for me or this isn't going to work for us um I guess what I'm trying to get at is how much does the employer or management listen and and maybe then change that position to help fit an employee or help fit a group of employees where maybe that position didn't exist or maybe it's just, you know, maybe an experimental type thing. How much do you or how important do you think it is for that employer to take that feedback about a position and maybe even use it within their organization. Well, we're back to communication again. Exactly. Um, and, I, and I'm also going to bring in what I mentioned a few minutes ago, which was the amount of change that's going on in the workplace sure. and how quickly things happen. So I think if employers aren't listening to their employees and bringing their ideas to the table and then modifying what they do based on those ideas, they're missing the boat. Mm-hmm. If I'm actually doing the work, I know much more of what's going on in that job position than my manager does. Right. So my manager should listen to me. Not not every company is going to be that open. If a company is listening to this, I would hope that they would be open, that they would actually actively ask their employees for feedback. How can we improve this process? How can we do this better? How can we make your life easier? How can we improve our employment brand? How can we increase our engagement with you? Mm -hmm. Employers need to ask those questions. Good. And we are running a little low on time, so I just wanted to get to this final thing, and it's more a broad, almost open forum for you in this case. Just kind of your final thoughts, tips for whether, mainly for employers, because I mean, that's a lot of what you guys are dealing with. What do you, when you're looking for that right employee and you talk about a teachable fit, what would be your biggest part of advice, your biggest little tip that could, in your, in your mind, really get the process rolling and get them off on the right foot? Uh, I'll try to do this quickly. There's, there's, a, <laughs> lot to, there's a lot to that answer. But, but first of all, the technical skills are the ante to get into the game. Mm-hmm. They've, they've got to have those technical skills. But I think on top of that, it is the soft skills and the communication skills. And don't ignore your intuition. Don't ignore your gut. If your gut says this is a right fit, chances are it is. And that fits with those undefinable soft skill things, mm-hmm. I think. If, 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 it all, if all the pieces fit together, you're going to know it in your gut, so go with that gut. My wife would love that answer because she's a big instinct, maternal instinct kind of thing. So It might, it might be a, a gender thing here, yeah, the, the uh, women, could, women's intuition. It's very possible. Yeah. It's very possible. Well, I do appreciate everything that you've brought to us today. That, that will wrap it up for us here on uh, Moving Up the Ladder, hopefully. And I guarantee you've taken away a few valuable nuggets from our conversation here with Melanie Hall. Holmes from Manpower Group. Again, thank you for coming in. You're welcome, Tim. Happy to be here. And uh, of course, we always want to hear from you. So if you could drop us an email with any comments or suggestions, just send that to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. And wishing you success in all your endeavors. I'm Tim Muma. You've been listening to localjobnetwork.com radio.